on behalf of our director, Susan Quinn, and the Autism Resources Fair Committee, we welcome one of our keynote speakers for the 2022 Autism Resources Fair featuring Brittany D'Angelo with special guest Kathy Tuma D'Angelo. The Ocean County Library is committed to providing library services, materials, and programs for all Ocean County residents. This program, like the programs at the Ocean County Library, goes to the heart of our mission, connecting people, building community, and transforming lives. Without further ado, please allow me to introduce today's keynote speakers. Our first is Brittany D'Angelo. She is a recent house guest on Big Brother season 23 on CBS, where she was juror number one and cast a vote for the winner of the season. During the historic season 23 finale of Big Brother on CBS, host Julie Chen Moonves gave Brittany the floor and she revealed to her fellow house guests and America that not only is she a fourth degree karate black belt, but that she is autism. By doing this, her goal was to bring about increased acceptance and awareness to the neurodivergent community and ultimately to stop multiple stigmas associated with autism that are prevalent in society. Since home, Brittany has been featured in multiple articles and podcasts where she has continued to promote her message and advocate for those with autism. Born and raised in Niagara Falls, New York, Brittany graduated from Niagara University in 2021 with her master's in early childhood and childhood education with additional certificates in special education grades one through six and theater education grades K through 12. She has received a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Performance and a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and Media Studies from Niagara University in 2019. She is also a fourth degree black belt, a three-time world champion in the Chuck Norris System Karate, valedictorian of the class of 2019 at Niagara University, and a dancing queen on TikTok. <laughs> Our second guest today is Kathy Tuma D'Angelo, and she has been a permanently certified school counselor for the Niagara Falls City School District for the last 18 years. She has received her school counseling degree from Niagara University. Kathy taught for four years prior to accepting her school counselor position and is certified pre-K through grade six. She also earned a master's in rehabilitation counseling from the University of Buffalo and worked as a psychiatrics children's therapist for seven years. Kathy has been married to her soulmate, David, for almost 32 years. Kathy is a mom to five children and a grandma to one grandson. Family and her friends are very important to her and she values every minute spent with them. She enjoys swimming, gardening, and celebrating holidays, decorating, and special occasions. Kathy works to spread kindness and love. Her favorite quote and something she lives by is from Mother Teresa, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. In addition to everything I already shared, Kathy is also Brittany's mom. Please welcome Brittany D'Angelo and Kathy Tuma D'Angelo. Hi! <laughs> how are we doing? Wow. Because that I don't even know how we, how do we even introduce ourselves after that introduction? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, just thank you so much for letting us even be here. Um, I just, we can't thank you enough. I just, I seriously feel so honored that you guys chose me as one of the keynote speakers for this, for this year. I honestly still can't believe it. Like I was really reviewing the the paperwork and, and the outlines today. And I was like, I'm the keynote. Like that's just, it's, it's so crazy to me, but I'm so excited to have this conversation with you guys about things that are just there. It's so needed for us to have these types of conversations. So I can't wait. And I also can't wait to, to have this conversation with my number one advocate in the world, the woman with which I would not be Brittany without Kathy. Just, I'm so glad that you're here, especially because a lot of my, a lot of my following has had a lot of questions on my early intervention journey. So I'm really, really glad that she's here only because I was like two when all of that <laughs> happened. So I, I went through it, but I don't really remember a lot of my early, early, early intervention processes and in the advocating process. So obviously that was all mama D. So I'm just, we're very excited for this. This is going to be so much fun. And we're twinning, twinning. Please share, share about your shirts. Please. Oh, okay. So this, so we found these on Amazon. Um, but a lot of my fam knows that my nickname is Butterfly. So this says accept, understand, and love, and it's got the neurodivergent symbol in butterflies. 
So we loved that because when Brittany was born, um, the song Butterfly Kisses has just come out. And my husband said, well, first of all, I need to preface it, I guess, with that we lost a little girl. So one of my five children, God is raising. And um, so after we had her, Butterfly Kisses came out and he's like, I am going to dance at her wedding with this song. And I'm like, okay, so this is right when she was born. We were like, hi. And then, you know, as she progressed, being that I'm a rehab counselor and a school counselor, um, I saw signs of autism. I didn't want to, but, you know, they were there, you know, like when she would nurse, she would keep her eyes closed. She'd look up to see if I was there and then close them real tight again. Um, there was no eye contact. There was stimming as she grew up. There was like perseveration over certain things. And um, she just didn't know we were ever there. We could leave and come back and um, she wouldn't know. And um, so anyways, you know, so 22 months in, I'm like, you know what, I, I have to do something. He's like, you're just worried because of Chelsea. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's not the same thing. I didn't even get a chance to really raise Chelsea. Like I'm not. And one time he was in the shower and I was like, okay, I'm calling earlier invention. If you don't stop me, <laughs> he was in the shower. He didn't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I did call. And of course, you know, at 22 months, she was diagnosed with autism and um, so like a little bit later, maybe a month or two later, he we heard the song in the car and he goes, you know what? He goes, it's okay if she always stays a caterpillar. And I looked at him and I was like, are you kidding? This girl is going to be a vibrant, brilliant color butterfly. You just wait and see. And he's like, okay. And here we have it. So, so that's where Butterfly came from. So all along, she's just been nicknamed Butterfly ever since. You know, sometimes fly, you know, but, you know, mostly Butterfly. So, well, why don't we uh, start with one piece of advice for mom that you would want to share with parents of young children with autism. You clearly have a background and you were you were trained to see the signs. What piece of advice would you give to a, a young, let's say a young parent of a child that they think may have autism? Well, I think that I come to it from a little different perspective because you know, as I stated about my daughter, Chelsea, I walked behind my child's casket. So when I was given this diagnosis, I didn't look at it as, you know, the worst thing in the world. In fact, we had gone to a, um, because, you know, as a counselor, I think you need to go to a support group. So we had gone to a support group. And, you know, when someone said to me, well, said to the group, it was a newly diagnosed person. They said, I just don't know what to do. This is such a death sentence. And I looked over at my husband and I was like, oh gosh, I said, we have to go. And he goes, can we just wait till it's over? I'm like, no, my hand popped up. And I said to the group and I said, I don't want to sit here and judge anybody. I'm not judging. I said, but I said to me, this is not a chance at a death sentence. This is not a death sentence. This is at a chance at creating something beautiful. And we get to hug them, squeeze them. We get to mess things up. I mean, I actually liked when she tantrumed because when she tantrumed or had a hard time, that meant that I wasn't allowing another layer to go on her brain. It meant that I was keeping it from the work that we were doing and I was, you know, freeing her brain of these layers of autism. So I didn't mind the tantrum, but I know that some people are really bothered. And I guess my advice is, is that if for example, let's say you're on a trip and you're on your way to Paris and all of a sudden you got these hopes, these dreams, these ex expectations of Paris and you arrive and they say, welcome to Holland. And you're like, what? I didn't sign up for Holland. I was going to Paris. But then you get off the plane and you are like, wow, Holland is beautiful. So embrace the joys, embrace the successes, work through the trials and tribulations and just do it and love your child because they truly are the greatest gift in every single thing that you do, whether you are crying in the shower, whether you are, you know, having to put your hands together hard while they tantrum, you have to know that every decision that you make, you are making to help them be the best version of them. And there are no mistakes when it comes from love, no mistakes. So just do you and just show love. And I think that if you do that, you can't go wrong. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I feel about it. That's responsible. 
Oh, that's so lovely. You can see the love emanating from you right now. It is so beautiful. Well, after that talk, thank you. After that talk, when I raised my hand, um, the next day, the doctors from our children's hospital actually called me and they said, can we have people circle through your program when they're first diagnosed? Because we would love them to be met with your attitude. And I know everybody, I don't know what would have happened maybe if I hadn't lost my, maybe I would have looked at it differently. But I think that things happen in our life that shape us. You know, we're on this path and then a little something happens in our path might turn a little bit this way or a little this way. And for whatever reason, my path turned the way it did. And I've always looked at it as a blessing, not a curse. And I, I do think that the way we look at something glass half full, half empty, it makes such a difference in everything that we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So while we're on the topic of, of seeing glass half full, half empty, Brittany, yes. you are an incredibly accomplished individual. Can you, you tell us a little bit from your perspective about your life growing up and those forces that drove you to accomplish everything that you have at such a young age? Yeah. So um, to be honest with you, I, I, I thank God every day. You know what I mean? For me, the fact that I thank God, I thank this woman sitting next to me. Um, and then I thank God again, you know, so for me, I just, I mean, especially growing up um, and, and knowing how severe I was diagnosed at 22 months and, and all of the therapy that I went through and all the ther therapy that she fought for me to get it, it. Sometimes I do forget about the journey that I've gone through in order to get to this point, just because I, I've been living in, in this Brittany world for honestly, I'd say around seven ish eight years at this point, because my Britney worlds have changed. I've gone through different Britney world phases in my life. Um, but this particular Britney world um, has, has been about seven or eight years that I've been in this, in this, I guess I would say Britney mind space. Yeah. I was going to just say mind space. Mind space. Yeah. Um, that's what we kind of call them. We call them mind spaces. Um, but no, so I, I definitely have achieved some things in my life that I never thought were going to be possible. Um, and throughout high school, I, I've always been very, very talented academically, but I also have had to put in the work academically to be talented academically. I am, not, I am not a natural at school. I am someone that had to work hard in school to get the same awesome 97s and 98s. Um, it would actually take me double or triple the time to do all of my homework. Mm -hmm. So for me, all of my homework, I got testing combinations back in fourth grade. So that was when I had my um, extra time or time and a half or double time, depending on the exam subject and the writing requirements. Um, I would get my own room because if I don't talk it out loud, I don't get it. But in high school, I was able to graduate number seven in the class, which wasn't number one or two, but I'll take number seven. High school was tough. Um, I had like a 97, 74, 75 GPA, something like that, which I was very, very proud of saying that I went to a college preparatory high school where it was just all intense, all days. I learned how to do all-nighters in high school. Um, but I actually made a promise to my parents in high school. And I said, look, I said, if you pay for me to go to this private college preparatory school, I will pay my way through college. And I 94. 3% had that come true. Mm -hmm. um, I got 27,000 off of 29,000 in scholarships, both for academics and, academics and uh, community service work. I also got a scholarship from the academic services office where I would be doing all my testing accommodations because they were like, you have accommodations. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh my goodness, you, you're so you're so insanely impressive. And I was like, well, that's a lot of hard work and dedication that we had to get to in order for that to happen. It's also um, a village. That's true. And I think that like she said about her testing accommodations, and I think that it's so important to utilize your village yes. and listen. So like one of her teachers said, you know, I really realized in fourth grade, Janelle Bridges, she said, I really notice an intense amount of anxiety when Brittany is doing a test because she tries to whisper out loud to herself. And I know that she, she gets nervous when people are looking or when they finish a test before her. And she said that I just really think that testing accommodations might be necessary. So we went right back to the drawing table, like look to see what would work for her. But it's also a lot of trial and error. Like we would sit around the kitchen table doing homework every night and this one would not be quiet. Like she was like, talk, talk, talk. The other three, they're like, Brittany, Brittany. And she's like, I can't get it if I don't talk. No. So, you know what? Like also realizing like I didn't know anything about subvocalization. Like I didn't know it was a thing, but because I listened and then I asked or looked up things. So that's how you find what works for your child too. Yeah. But no. So then from high school, I ended up going to Niagara University. I did a dual degree in both a uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts and Theater Performance, a Bachelor of Arts and Communications and Media Studies, and then I did a minor in American Sign Language and Death Studies. So did all three of those things in four years. 
Um, and it wasn't just a double major. It was actually a double degree because I was getting a BFA and a BA. So they wouldn't let me dual major. I had a dual degree. So I had to take 10 extra classes per major, which meant lots of summer courses and 18 hour credit hours, 18 hours of credit every single semester without taking one off. But I ended up graduating Niagara University in 2019 with the top two honors that the university gives out. So I ended up getting the Niagara Medal, which is where all the seniors that were in my class in Niagara University voted for who they thought in our class was the best representative of the university. And that was chosen to be me. I was shocked. I was standing there. I wasn't because she was in like 13 clubs. But she I was interviewed shocked. everybody <laughs> like she knew every she was never here. She didn't live on campus, but she literally walked into sleep and left again. It's like seven in the morning. She it's was always. True. Yeah. Never saw her. I'll yeah. just, I'll never forget because that award, the Niagara Medal was given out three days before graduation and then it's presented to you at graduation as well. And I'll never forget sitting there at our senior banquet and they were like naming off all the nominees and my name it came up and people were like clapping. And then this one girl's name came up and everyone was like, whoa. And I was like, she won. I was like, absolutely, she won. And then they call out my name and I go, what? <laughs> I was like, I was so thrown off. I really just, I had taken a bite of my chicken pasta and put it in my mouth because I really thought I wasn't winning it. And they were like, Brittany D'Angelo. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was so shocked. And so I won that medal. And then I also ended up winning what's called the senior medal, which is valedictorian. Um, so then from that point, the first time in their history, yes, first time never in, happens. Yeah. First time in the 162 year history of the university for someone to win both. It's never the same before. person. Oh my goodness. So that was crazy. And then the year after that, or eight days after graduation, I went on to tour the country with Missoula Children's Theater. So I actually got to teach a new group of five to 18 year olds, a full length musical in a week. I got to go to a new town every week. My favorite location was absolutely British Columbia, Canada. That was just like looking at a Hallmark movie every single day without paying for it. It was just great. Um, and so that happened until March, 2020. And then obviously COVID laid me off because I was in the epicenter of where COVID was in British Columbia, Canada and Seattle. I was right there. Um, and so came back home and then May of 2020 happened. And I was like, well, I'm sitting here. I have nothing to do. Might as well start a master's program. So that's when I started my master's degree. And TikTok. And TikTok, actually. Both started at almost the same time. March of 2020 was when I started my TikTok. And then May was when I started my master's. I uh, took the whole year, graduated with that master's degree in uh, 2021. And then Big Brother happened, which is something that I still like pinch myself that I even went on because it's it's such... It really is such a surreal experience. Like sometimes you really do forget that that was your life for three months of time. But then it also like you remember all the amazing moments in that house and like because it became your house. Like people ask me all the time, do you remember, do you, did you think that you were getting recorded all the time? I forgot the cameras in the house like 95% of the time because I would not care. Obviously, I wore the same set of pajamas for the first five hours every morning. I burned I sure them when she got home. Burned them. She did. Yeah. Um, she hated them. But no, so then I did Big Brother. And then coming off the show, I just, the amount of overwhelming love and support that I've gotten has been insane. I've been covered by so many different media outlets. The biggest, I would say, probably this and then Forbes um, was absolutely huge. That was an insane story that I was able to do. But I've just, I've been able to reach out to so many people now. And now even like the culmination of everything that like ties us in the perfect book set is that. So some, the Summit Center in Buffalo was who did my therapy growing up. They were the only organization that exists in Buffalo for anything like this, but they were the only organization also that believed that I could be anything, you know? And so now I'm running this huge fundraiser for all of Autism Acceptance Month that benefits the Summit Center. And we've already raised over two grand, which is absolutely insane. And it's only April 9th and we have the whole month to do it, but it's it, that, the fact that I now get to full circle it and the fact that now my therapist that I had when I was two, three, four, and five are on my team on this fundraiser and the CEO's on board and like everyone is just on board. But that's Summit though. When you work with Summit, your family. And so it's like that, like to like tie everything in a perfect bow. Now this is obviously Autism, Autism Acceptance Month and it's just been the, the greatest blessing ever. That's another thing that I think that's another thing I think is so important is that one thing that the summit stands for is positivity. And I remember one time when she was in kindergarten and that's something for parents too. Um, they started getting negative with no's and you can't do this. You can't do this. And she started regressing. And um, I called the summit for advice and they were like, we'll just send a team in. And I was like, what? They're like, we're going to send, <laughs> send a, a team, team in. So they sent like four T people into this classroom for a week to kind of rework this classroom so that it could be a supportive environment for her. 
Yeah. And that turned that around. And by first grade, she had a full-time aide when she started school um, because it was always whenever we went anywhere, one person had Brittany when the one person had the other three. And it still is like that to the same thing. I'm kidding. Honestly, it's, it's crazy now looking at how not independent I was growing up and how I always needed somebody there. But I would now say that like out of our household, I'm now one of the more independent people, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Well, you organize everything yourself. I do. I, or, I'm like, I'm a very independent person when it comes to organization, when it comes to like travel, I'm very, I'm very, very, very independent, but like, it's, it's crazy now, like seeing that transitional point of like, I couldn't do anything on my own. And now I do so many things on my own. And that's, it's just, it's one of the biggest switches. And like, I used to not be able to take change and change was like, a no, you ain't changing nothing in my book. And now I can handle change and I actually embrace change when it comes. If it does, I still have trouble with it. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not perfect. I just mean that now I can handle change. Yeah. I'm not perfect with it by any means. Well, you deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. I used to not deal with it at all. It used to be not a, it used to be not a decision. But now I now I deal with it. Yeah, our our family with, with her growing up was very regimented. You know, the things that we did, the schedules that we kept, how much we had to sing everything. Like our, our we were like the Von Trapps of the D'Angelo family. <laughs> you know, it was just like we sang everything. And um, you know, side effect is all our kids like music. So I mean, that's a good thing. But you know, you do what you have to do to, to make it work. And, um, you know, one of the things I did was I traveled with a helper, you know, if I didn't want to give up our life totally, we did have to make a lot of accommodations, especially when she was in 40 hours of therapy a week, you know, it was literally seven to noon. And then she had a break from 12 to three and then three to six, six days a week. So, I mean, like we made, you know, sacrifices because, it was worth it. It was my only goal. In fact, someone just reminded me, one of the workers, she said to me, she goes, do you remember when I called and said that I was really sick and I didn't think I could come today or tomorrow? And I said, no. She goes, your response to me was like, what? Is there a substitute? Her brain is solidifying as we speak. (laughs) But I was kind of like a little crazy back then about it. But to me, it was like, that was the priority, you know? And it is what it, you know, it's just the way I roll. Thanks I for working for me, mom. You're welcome. Thanks, mom. Well, so about the changes and transitions, that that's tough for anyone. And obviously you have progressed. What what advice do you have? What tips? What helped you? Because you went right from undergraduate to graduate school yeah. to traveling theater and then yeah. Big Brother. Like those are huge life transitions. They're very, very big a life transitions. A lot of self-talks. Yes. Um, a lot. You, you are right. Honestly, she's not wrong. Um, self-talks were huge. Um, but I guess the the biggest way that I was able to embrace the change was to change my mindset and embracing that change. If that makes any sense. Like my mindset used to be that change, like change needs to be gradual, but then I've come over, I've come to the realization, especially going through COVID, right. Where nothing's guaranteed anymore in life, you know, and, and we just had this, this global pandemic where millions of lives were taken from us, unfortunately. And, and now my mindset is more of like, why not? Like more, I have a way more open mindset. It's more of like, let me embrace the change as opposed to, as opposed to hurt it. Change can be really cool. Changes in life can be really, really cool. But also I think the way that I was able to handle it amazingly was because of the village that I have and because of my mom and because of the people that I was able to talk everything through with, I was never alone in making any decision. And I always, we always talk through all the pros and cons of every decision. I find that to be very, very important. If I can't evaluate something, I'm very analytical. And I find that a pros and cons list for me is an analytical way of, of figuring things out. But if I can't weigh it out, then that change becomes a lot harder. But I think just having a mindset of, of different things are going to happen and, and just embracing what's going to happen as opposed to trying to, trying to block it, I guess is the best way that I can put. I think that that's the way you embrace change the best is if you, if you, if you welcome it when it comes, like, obviously I was so afraid that going away from Missoula Children's Theater was the first time that I was not going to be home ever. Like I've always lived at home. And then for this tour, obviously I was across the country and that was a huge decision of like, could I handle living on my own with one tour partner that, that like, that was going to be it. And like, could I realistically handle that? And that was a conversation we had. We talked about different strategies that I would do. And then I took the contract and I went. 
and it was an amazing experience. We were always there. And like exactly. we talk every day. Like that was, I think, the biggest thing. Like when she was in Missoula, she'd be like, I'm in the truck to go work out. Okay. Oh, I'm done with working out. Oh, good. Okay. Now I'm going to do this. Oh, good. So I felt like I was there. So, um, you know, I think the biggest one was going on Big Brother because yeah. I'll tell you right now, she didn't get all these text messages I sent her, but it was like, I texted her like, I can't tell you I'm texting because I said to her, I don't know who needs who more. I don't know if I need you needing me or if I need, you know, if I just need you. It's like a big corundum in me because I was like, whew, that was a tough one. You know, but but I said, yes, I would encourage because that's her dream. And you know what? I think it's so important to, you know, foster dreams and everybody needs a dream and hope. So but that was even for Big Brother, especially that one was a huge decision because obviously that would be the first time that I would not have her at all or anyone that was like in my trusted village. I, I couldn't have access to them. So, I mean, there were multiple talks that I had with the psychologist production of like, what strategies would I use to survive in the house? What, what, like not even survive in the house, but just like, how would I use the strategies that I've learned in my everyday life and how would I translate them to the house? And it really took some getting used to every day. I talked to the live feeds cam and I was acting like I was talking to her. Hi mom. So this happened today. I was nominated again, but I'm okay. Um, we're going to play the veto today. I have no idea what it's about, but they told us to wear athletic clothing. Um, so like I would just talk to the camera and fake it like I was talking to her. And then her family, like her TikTok family, her Instagram family, they would message me and be like, mama D. Brittany wants you to change her profile picture. Mama D, Brittany said that she's okay, you know, because they they were watching live speed. And I mean, like I might miss stuff because, you know, I was at work or whatever. Yep. Um, you couldn't watch it 24-7? What? Well, they were, they were pretty on 24-7. <laughs> I would be in the pool floating around and there she would be in my hand watching the live feeds. And, you know, like I wouldn't always see her, but I'd hear her. <laughs> she... Wow. <laughs> Thanks, mom. You're welcome. <laughs> but texting also was an amazing thing once um like with high school and texting became an amazing um way for us to communicate if Brittany had like a question or if something didn't make sense or you know she was like I don't know about this or why did they do that um texting back and forth with us People never knew that she was having an issue with it, but I could still work through like supports with her about different things because, you know, seeing things black and white is challenging because there's life is mostly gray. So I think that that's something and she, I think anybody who is on the spectrum needs to trust their trusted adult because we can see gray where they might not. And they really have to trust that, you know, our perception might be different than theirs. Not that it makes theirs wrong because perception is perception, but we can see it differently. So even at dinner growing up, we did something called roses and thorns and we would share a positive of the day, a negative of the day. And then we would look to see how that thorn could be turned into something positive. And now they've even increased it to like where you have like a bud, like what's your hope for the next day? And even like a gardener, who is your trusted adult that day? So I see. I see. So when uh, there were life transitions, Brittany, when you were young, I'd love to hear about this from both of your perspectives. How, how would you work through, Kathy, how would you work through changes with Brittany as a child? And Brittany, what do you recall from that time and, and what helped you? And uh, real quick, um, we're about halfway through today's event and I posted in the chat. Uh, if you have questions for Brittany and Kathy, please put it in the chat in the last few minutes. Um, I will share them. So um, yeah. take it away. <laughs> okay, so we did use a picture board. So um, we would line up what tomorrow's schedule was. So that would help. We would go over that. And then sometimes I just had a teller and she would be like, and I'd be like, yes. And we'd have to kind of go out of the house kind of like not so happy. And um, we just kind of worked through them. Um, you know, so there were times when it was like no big deal. But I also was very careful with what I said we were doing, because here is the thing. If I said we were doing it and it didn't end up happening, she couldn't understand why it wasn't happening. So, you know, it's if I was very cautious with if I said, OK, if I said we're going to, let's say, a play place, um, if that was not set in stone, then I would not say it. 
you know, because I had to really be careful. You have to say what you mean, mean what you say and do what you say. Um, because she's very literal. She was always very literal. So I would be very careful with what I said we were doing. We did use a storyboard. And then if she wasn't happy with it, we just did it anyways, because I think that's all part of life. And we would just hope sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't. But, um, you know, we just kind of went with it. I would say for me, in terms of change, I don't really remember a lot of the earlier like life changes in my life only because that was a completely different Britney world that I no longer live in. And I think that would be the major reason why I just don't remember a lot of what was there. I do, however, remember like, honestly, like these are like really small, stupid changes, but like these were changes that like were, were big enough to me that where I still remember them. Um, ninth grade, I was in science class and my teacher gave me back my quiz and I got a 64. So I had never failed anything in my life until this one 64 on this earth science science quiz. So I asked to call my mom on the school phone and I'm, I'm sobbing. I, I didn't know how to handle a failure because I just, that was something that I was like, I never failed anything in school. I always study. I get good grades. I do what I, I do what I need to do. It was a pop quiz. So obviously your girl didn't study, um, got a 64 and my mom, I will never forget this gets on the other line of the phone and she goes, you called me because you got a 64 on a pop quiz. She said, is it going to get dropped? I said, yeah, I think so. It's my lowest quiz grade. She goes, Brittany, congratulations. You're human. Hang up with me now. I need to go tell a student. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't like, that was such like a, like a mind boggling experience. Cause I was like, wait a second. What? Like, like I'm human. Congratulations. Goodbye. Like I failed a quiz. Like, well, what do you mean? Congratulations. Goodbye. Um, but no, I, that was a huge change for me. Um, dealing, but like a huge change for me in life, my life cassette, to be honest with you, was dealing with social interactions with friends like that. Like I, I was bullied really majorly twice in my life, once in sixth grade, once in 12th. Um, and navigating through those situations, that is like one of the biggest life changes that I, that I had to go through was like, how, how do I stand up for myself? How do I speak to someone who's being mean to me? How do I, how do I go through that? Because I, I didn't know how to advocate for myself or stand up for myself. And and it's confusing when people are mean to you and you don't really understand it. Especially, like it was so confusing because I would be so nice to these people and my kindness would almost be taken for weakness. And I, I guess those would be the biggest two changes that I can think of. Like failure was a huge change throughout my like growing up. That was a big one to adjust to. And then in social situations with friends of like, I would be so friendly, but like, why are you not reciprocating that back to me? I don't understand that. I think another transition would have been like helping her advocate for what she had on her IEP too. That, that her was a big one. Four plan. That was a big one. Because I feel like it's important. Like she grew up, I mean, when she was old enough to understand, I would say prep school probably. She knew, you know, we told her, we sat down and told her what her diagnosis, what her, you know, you know, what we saw it as, and we told her, you know, I explained to her as an educator, a school counselor, this is what's in your IEP. This is what's now, you know, in ninth grade, it went to a 504. And I wanted her to advocate for herself because I, she needed her accommodations and I wanted her to know what they were, understand why she had them and then be able to utilize them. Because, you know, you get teachers that say, you can just take it in class. It's not a big deal. But then she feels like, well, no, I can't talk out loud. Well, I'm sorry, but that's part of who she is. And that's part of her beauty, you know? So no, you can't take that away from her because she has every right to be on a level playing field with every other student in this room. Correct. And that IEP and that 504 put her there. Yeah. It's not a bonus. It's not a, she's special. Yes, she is. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's to put her on a level playing field with every other student in the room. And that's what I advocated for. So different transitions we worked through with education. You know, we sat down and had conversations. And then, you know, we just kind of went with it. But yeah, I, would I think say, a yeah. lot of times I also had to call and do some talking too on her behalf with her growing up because she was still the child. Yeah, I was the adult. And even in like when she was doing martial arts, she'll tell you, she probably won the award for the most push-ups push ever in the history because she'd ask questions. Questions, questions, questions. That should have been like her middle name, Brittany Question D'Angelo, because she would just ask questions. And she had to because it wasn't like right there in front of her, right? But sometimes people get annoyed with asking questions because they look at it as disrespectful almost. Well, why do we have to do this? You know, kind of thing. So, you know, like I would have to kind of buffer it with, you know, this is how she saw it. 
How did you see it? Kind of like an assertive thing. This is what we saw is going on. This is how she felt. How did you feel? And how can we move forward past this? Yeah. And I think that advocating piece, that that switched roles in terms of like her taking the lead and then me taking the lead in college. Mm-hmm. College was when it flipped. College was when I took the lead on advocating and she was then my secondary because there were unfortunately three situations where I had to go and then speak to those that I needed to speak to in terms of, of teachers discriminating against me because of my disability. And it was, it, it happens all too often. And thankfully I knew exactly what to do and, and, and what laws protect me from what. Um, but it, it just, you gotta be strong and you, you have to be your own advocate in this world. Cause if you can't fight for yourself, who's going to fight for you at the end of the day, you know? So that's how I look at it now, but now I I'm just, I'm a huge advocate, not only for myself, but for so many others. Now I feel like I have such an insane opportunity to, to now speak for so many and to speak uh, not even for, but alongside so many, I guess is the best way to put it. But no, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I like that I, wording. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the voice alongside many alongside. others. Yes, that's, what, that's wonderful. Uh, the, um, <laughs> so back to um, your social situations, right? So you talked about um, those, those two experiences where you were severely bullied. And uh, how did that help prepare you for the Big Brother house? Did that give you any hesitancy? All those, I mean, Obviously, you were a super fan, so you knew the personality is going in. No, for me, I guess, I mean, especially bullying experiences, one thing that they give you along with the fact of just like a, like they they bring you closer to your village than ever. They allow you to grow as a person because they allow you to, to experience what you will no longer accept from people. Um, Cause I love people. I'm an extrovert, but there are just some things that I will not put up with anymore. And that is okay because I shouldn't have to. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that it, it prepared me for, for big brother is thick skin. I have some severely thick skin now. And the, and the fact of, I really don't do with a lot. And if I, I am very, I used to be very non-confrontational in terms of like an issue would happen. And I would just kind of step back and wait for it to kind of resolve itself. But now I'm more of the person like, excuse me, what did you just say? I will be the one to kind of assert it and be like, no, we're going to nip that in the bub right now. We're going to move on. Because at this point I have come to a point in my life because where I can't waste my energy on people who want to bring me down. So they need to go. So anyone that's trying to, to trying to foster negativity or bring negativity anywhere near me, obviously does not care about me. They don't want the best for me. And they obviously don't know me either. So therefore they don't deserve any of my energy and they can go. That philosophy for me also stayed in the big brother house. That was the same thing. And I will use it in terms of, I now I'm a huge, I'm a very close friend of this person, but in the house, that was Kylan for me. Kylan was the person who, after I was backdoored on the block by him, that was when all the threats started coming, the disrespect. And there was a point in that week where I was like, you know what, Kylan, the conversations are over. I'm going to let you play your game. I'm pretty sure I'm going home, but you're not going to treat me like this. So we're going to end this conversation right now. And then I walked out of the door and that was it for the week. I, after the day before I left, I was like, look, good luck in the rest of the game. I'm almost positive I'm going home, but I'm just not going to let you treat me in a way that's disrespectful. So I'm going to leave myself out of this for my mental health sake. And so, and that's what happened. And, and Kylan and I have been able to talk about the situation and, and everything that happened in the house. And now knowing what he did wrong and being able to apologize for those things, we are very close friends now because he's very different outside of a game experience than he is. Like even my mom and I have sat down and had conversations with him because he actually was just him and his mom. Him and his mom because he was recently diagnosed with autism two months ago. So that was a very new conversation for him. And so he called me 10 days after his diagnosis. He he confided in me about that. And to be honest with you, since then, we've actually grown a lot closer in talking about our shared experiences and things like that. Um, but it just goes like, I I guess that's the biggest thing that prepared me was that thick skin and, and knowing what I deserve as a person and knowing what I accept. Because I know how I thrive and I know how I don't. And they're very, very different. So I, I need to be surrounded with people who allow me to thrive. And that for me was like Aza. That was Derek. That was that was Tiff. That was Claire. That that, that was my core. Like that my my core people allowed me to thrive in that house, and that's who I stuck with. I guess. And it sounds like you found your your support system that outside of the house is your family and and your yes. close friends, and and you made that support system for yourself in that house independently. Um, you know, with with that group. Yes, Kathy. I was going to say, even I thought with Oz and Derek, I was like, you know what I mean? Like as a mom, because 
you know, it, it's it's a journey. And I just thought to myself, okay, she has them. Even the week that she was going home and Derek was on the block with her, I knew Derek wasn't going home because obviously I could see the the bigger picture of the cookout and everything. And but I was like, look at him. He's like telling her things that I would tell her. Like, isn't it so great though that we got to play this? No matter who goes, you know, you're going to the jury house, you know, like this is still a dream come true. And- <laughs> We're shipping you off the jury. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought to myself, and then Aza, I mean, she just, I mean. She just knows how much I love her. She was already, she already came and stayed with us for a bit. She's coming back. And um, she just was such an amazing friend to Brittany. And I just think to myself, like Brittany surrounded herself by people who accepted her for her. And they didn't even know about the diagnosis. You know, they just saw her for her. But the thing about her is she exudes joy. Like you can kind of just like be around her and you feel the joy. Like she is the best person at maintaining relationships and friendships and because she just is right there with them. And I just think to myself, like, who couldn't love that, you know? And um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty proud. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing too now. Cause that, because like Derek and Aza, especially, I would probably say Derek, Aza and Christian, um, are the three that have now translated from being like BB family to now like they are in my core, like they're in my core circle. Um, and that to me has been like an awesome transition because there are three people that understand what we all went through in that house. But I have very different vibes of conversations with all three of them. Like Oz and I will just sit on Zoom for hours and we'll be like, yo, so like what happened now? What you doing? You been doing a board? Okay, let's go through your schedule. We got it. Christian, I'll be like, so schedule for the day. We are going to do this first. We're going to do this next. And then we'll talk about his workout routine and how I need to also get to doing something other than cardio. And then Derek and I will be like, Derek's like, how are you doing my little princess? And I'm like, oh my God, hey, how you doing friend? But like, it's it's the best. But like, I, I'm so happy that I found my found family in that house that that could could replicate something along the lines of my village in the real world. So while we're on the topic of Big Brother, so we have we have some questions in the chat. So we're going to turn it over to our our oh, audience here brother. today. Wow, yeah. we wow. Did <laughs> so we have um, a question from Stephen, which you mentioned you're the first juror on Big Brother. Yes. So how did you handle that period of time where you were the only juror in the house without other jurors? Was it a challenge to adjust to the sudden shift in your routine, being around other people all the time and being filmed at all times? Um, no, actually it was the best week ever. Um, my first week in jury was, I always tell people it was my favorite week. Not even kidding. Um, it was, it was my favorite week for a couple of different reasons. Not really like my favorite week of the experience, but it was just a good week. Cause my, my no mom was very, very nervous. She was like, she's going to go there alone. She's not going to have anybody. I called the director. I'm she's like, like, yeah, she called everybody. Who's she gonna was like, be there with her? who's going to do something, but Can no. you let her know I'm proud of her. No, my, my first week in jury, I wouldn't say it was my favorite week. My favorite week was definitely when you, when he came to have her a lot, that was my favorite week of the experience, but it was definitely a great week. I adjusted out of the show very quickly. Um, I became very amazing friends with my handlers to the point where now one of the handlers that was actually working for production in, in the jury house is now a really close friend of mine. We talk all the time. Um, but I mean, it was just like, it was, I had no obligations. I got to like wake up every morning and watch Grey's Anatomy for three hours. And then I got to go work out and then eat lunch and watch Grey's Anatomy for three hours. Then I got to go tan and play at the basketball court and then go in the hot tub, which actually worked. And then I got to go in the movie theater and watch movies. Like your girl was living a dream life in the $3 million mansion here. Like it could not have been bad. Uh, <laughs> it was just, but no, the, the first week though, I mean, I, I did have a very unique experience. I'm the only one in the show that got a week by myself still in the game technically. Um, but no, it, like that was, it was, it was great. It was a great week. I love being jury number one. I tell people all the time, if you're going on big brother, you get to jury is your first goal. Second goal, win the game. But first goal, get to jury, get to jury. So it sounds like mom had no reason to worry about you. (laughs) We have a lot of educators here with us today. So we have two that I wanted to pull out. So we have Jade who asks what advice that you have for teachers to make sure that all learners feel supported in the classroom. And she's referring specifically in a middle school setting where so many changes are happening. And Bree also asked a similar question. I'm a teacher for students with autism. What advice do you have for us to better support students or what did you see work and help you from your teachers throughout your school years? 
Oh, what a good question. And um, I mean, you're both educators, so this no, is great. Yeah, we are both educators. I think the, in terms of what I saw from my teachers that really allowed me to succeed was, was patience. Like my teachers could not have been more patient with me, even if it killed them. Um, which sometimes with the amount of questions that I asked, it probably did. Um, and so, but like they, what I, you, you, in terms of teaching children with autism, you have to be an educator who wants to see them succeed. And you have to be willing to individualize the curriculum to meet their specific learning needs. You have to be able to do it. Because for me, I didn't learn the same way as X, Y, and Z in my enrichment class. But the fact that my teachers stopped what they were doing and gave me and, and taught me in a way that worked in a way that I could learn best. That was what was going to help me. But if you, if you teach everyone, if you teach those who are on the autism spectrum in a way that you're teaching them in a whole group and you think it's just going to magically work, that's not the way you need to go. It, it needs to be individualized and you need to give those who are on the spectrum, you need to give them that attention and that grace because they, they may not get it as fast or they may. Sometimes I did Sometimes I just didn't. And that was okay either way, but you have to have the grace to be able to be like, okay, this person needs a little, like Brit needs a little bit more time on this. That's okay. We're going to go with this way or, or Brit zip through this. Let's challenge her a little bit more, but there has to be that flexibility in the mindset of you're, you're just educating a different type of learner. That's it. And I guess that's the best way I can say it. And I think that, um, you know, we saw a huge transition when Brittany was finally placed in the right kind of classes. Um, early on, she was placed in special ed classrooms and consultant classrooms. So they actually had to, you know, kind of go at a little bit of a slower pace. And that was because she had the IEP and they, you know, you have to put an IEP in with consultant kids and, you know, that kind of mainstream. But um, it got to the point where she would pick up things faster than others. And the next thing I know, I'd be like, how was your day today? She goes, I caught so many straws. <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, yeah, they, I might've asked another couple questions and they put me in this, the room with the straws. So I cut straws and I was like, like no, so, I'll never forget one day in third grade. They actually kicked me out of the room because I was too ahead of math and I got to go to school the next day, but I didn't go in the room. I just went to the teacher's lounge and cut straws and had unlimited hot chocolate and cookies. Yeah. And that what I want for my child. That, that so, is, that is a thing that happened in third grade for me. So the following year, she went into the enrichment program. And I think those next two years, fourth and fifth grade, like we talk about Brittany world, that's when another transition happened because those two teachers, Janelle Bridges and Donna Nadrowski, they met her with positivity. And I think as educators, you there it is. That. Speak in the positive. There is ways to reform your negative talk to be positive. Instead of, no, you can't do that. That is awesome. But let's wait till this time to do it and then do it. You know, so I think that hear them, look at them, but mostly be positive because negativity does not work with kids on the spectrum. I don't do but negativity. Positivity does. I do that. I don't know anybody that negativity works for, to be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yet, what's our favorite word to use with kids? No. No. But with children on the spectrum, seeing that black and white, they don't get that no doesn't mean it. It's no, yep. you know, it doesn't mean like nice slam on the table. Yeah, I know. It was forceful. <laughs> she was like, no, <laughs> you better get it. <laughs> I don't like that word. And as an educator, I rarely use that word. It's usually, yes, let's make an appointment. Of course we can. I have a habit of using, eh, that's my word. <laughs> I have a habit of using, eh, <laughs> <laughs> and, then I'm, and then I go to my students, I'm like, eh, maybe later. And they're like, okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I, I try my best to get to it after, but it, it, it depends on the day. The quick follow-up to that, um, did you ever feel like you were being singled out or were worried about what other students were thinking in class and how could we support this as, um, as teachers? Did I, okay, did I ever feel like I was being singled out in class? Yes. Um, in in certain situations, yes, because I was singled out in class. Um, I, their uh, college was actually where it yeah. happened the most, which was so ironic to me. Um, college, the three times that I already mentioned where I was discriminated against based on my disability were the three times where I was singled out, um, during grade school. And the, I don't remember, I mean, not many in terms of like singled out in class of like, oh, Brittany needs to do this and everybody else do this. College was really where it happened in terms of like teachers trying to make things fair. So they would single me out in order to make it a fair playing field because singling one student makes it fair. doesn't really make sense. Well, because I know there was this one teacher in college that actually 
Brittany was going into the other room to do her accommodation. So she yes. could sub vocalize. Okay. It's not like she was doing anything special. She just went to the next room so she could talk out loud yep. her accommodation so she can actually produce. Yes. And um, the teacher then proceeded to tell the class. Oh, literally had me. No, no, no. It wasn't even tell the class. It was had me stand up at the desk. So there was a podium in the class and said, Brittany, can you come stand at the podium? And the teacher goes, class, um, I just want to let you all know, Brittany is going into that room over there to take her exam. Um, she's going in that room. She's going to take her exam. She'll be back with us for the lesson. Like, just let you know, Brittany's going to leave. Um, Brittany, you can now go take your test. Um, and I was like, I, my, literally my jaw hit the floor cassette and I walk over to the other room and I'm crying as I'm writing this exam. And obviously I know what I'm talking about, but then after, so I get time and a half for all exams. I still got that in college. And after the class was done with the exam, I still had 45 minutes left on the clock because your girl was taking her time to get, make sure I well, wrote it. You were so upset at first. I was so upset. So it took me 20 minutes to recuperate that I'm going through this test. And I know I have like another 40, 30 ish minutes left. And he's like, Brittany, like, are you almost done? Can you like hurry up? Because we want to get to the lesson. And I'm like, professor, um, I have another 45 minutes left. And he goes, you know, like you can just hurry it up though. Like you can just go, you can just keep going. And I was like, what? Like, this is this is why I get testing combinations. And so after I turned in my test, I walked out the room. That was when I called her. Um, we got her on the phone after the class. Ended, and he goes, well, I thought I was being fair to everyone. And my mom goes, except for Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Brittany. And then um, I ended up, story short, I ended up being pulled out of this class by Disability Services because uh, Disability Services even talked to him. He did not understand what he had done wrong. So I was pulled out of the class and it was an independent study for the rest of the semester. But I think too, like, um, you know, thinking about grade school, prep school, and then high school, I think that um, teachers just were like, you know, they they did things like quietly, like, okay, it's time for you to go. Yes, it was like quiet. Know, it wasn't like, you know, avert. and the kids just knew her too. Yeah. So it's not like they knew she had a diagnosis, but they knew she was Brittany, you like, know? I would go, like every single time in high school, I would go get a test because I would take it in the academic success center was what it was called. I would go into the class, I'd grab my test and be like, peace out, peeps. And then I walk out and everybody was like, bye, Brett. Like everybody knew it wasn't anything that I had to hide because I was like, I just want to do well, so peace. Um, but it was it was more of like quiet indications. But I think also something that really helped was that every year before school started, we all had a sit down meeting, like us, the principal of any, like us, the dean or principal, whatever college or high school we were at, and all of my teachers would sit down and she would go over everything that I needed. The counselors would reiterate it. And we went all the game plan going in of like, okay, this is how you respond to her. This is how she works. These this are the pros and cons of yeah, what we yeah, can do. Like and positive. This is, this we is what had works a, best. This yeah. is what doesn't work. And I would also tell her story Yeah, because I think that until they knew who was sitting in front of them, like her story is her story. It's her journey. It's her path. So I felt like just a student coming into a room when you have like in prep school, you have like 150 kids. Who is she? She's going to be the one asking you the question. Trust me when I tell you. But that's not as annoying if they have the story of how far she's come, yeah. you know, to know that she didn't speak till she was almost four because she didn't even know we were in the room, you know, that it was all of these things that made her who she is. So guess what? Like you are the one that's lucky to have my daughter in your class. So that's what I went in with. Like, I'm trusting you with her. And if there is something, I will be there in a heartbeat. So you just need to pick up the phone and call me because her, she's my priority. I want your classroom to work well, but this one <laughs> is my priority. Are you getting me? And they would be like, like, yep, we got you. <laughs> like even, even in college that continued though, but it was nice to have that base work of like, okay, like this is how everything would work. I mean, professors would ask me questions openly and be like, what do you, like, I would have, like, I would have conversations with my teachers, professors. What do you need from me? And I would spell it out to them. I need this. I need your notes. I need your notes ahead of time. I need to type for all your exams. I need this. I need that. I, but I would also, at that point, I was the advocate. Yes. Yep. And we did do a letter. And so in yes, college, we, did a letter. we didn't meet with them. But we sent out a preface to all her. We met with disability services, though. Yeah, with disability. Yeah, yeah we met with disability, disability services. services. <laughs> but they would send out a letter saying that Brittany works with them and they would CC us. And then we would send out her story so that, again, they had a piece of who she was yep. in her history. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, we only have a few more minutes with you, but um, we did have one question in the chat. I know, I know, it's so sad. <laughs> but we had we had an anonymous question in here um, that asked, uh, "How long were you nonverbal, and can you and Mama D discuss the progression to being verbal?" You said, um, "You said Brittany was four, Kathy, three and a half. She, yeah, three she was. Um, yeah, like three and a half. Her first word was in late October, early November." And um, she finished a song. Um, it was the cleanup song. So she said her first word, um, done. Which and was, which was? Share. Share. Share? Share. Okay. And then probably. Was, that was my first word. Okay. Was I that? Know. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought you were saying that wasn't my first word. I was like, wait a second. Actually, dad was. But... It was not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then. <laughs> I'm not sorry. That, that, not the Papadies over. Not the Papadies over there listening but, to this entire thing. Um, Papadies. I would say a couple months later, I remember walking in the house, and she walked over to the door, and she looked up at me, and she goes, "Mama home," and I was like, "What? <laughs> yes, I am home," and I think that's how it just went, and once it started. It kept going to the point now where people are like, wow, she made up for last time, didn't she? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, I, I always say, um, I didn't talk until I was three and a half, but I've made up for it since then, but I'm ching. That's what I always say. <laughs> but that's what ended up happening. But then again, that was still Summit working with us. Like Summit and why they were so wonderful was it wasn't their agenda. It was our agenda. Yep. And I remember one time, whoops, are we done? Nope, we're good. We're good. Okay. Keep going. I remember one time they even said um, to us, they were like, what is something that you really like want in your next set of goals? And I was like, I would love her to be able to open Christmas presents with us because normally on Christmas, she would just kind of be there. I love this story. And I was like, oh, so they were like, love that goal. So they taught her a script as they would for many things. And um, so the script was like, she would open it and they would be like, oh, just what I, I always wanted. wanted. And um, that was so perfect for like the first two gifts. But by gift like number eight, I was like, oh my God, I have a robot for a child. And oh. you know what I mean? Like, because every she single time she I would open care it up. about the gift. Just what I always wanted. Throw the gift away. Because she didn't the next play gift. with stuff. She no. didn't play with toys. She didn't play, like, she just didn't. And, um, that's like adjustment, you know, because you expect like her to play with the Barbies and the Dollies and the and um no, but so anyways, I I thought so after I was like they said after they were so proud of themselves they're like how'd she do and I'm like oh she did great and they were like what and I'm like well <laughs> she didn't even touch any of the stuff she opened and they were like you know we never thought of working on that with her because they had empty boxes. So she would open the box and, oh, that's what I was on, and then toss it aside because that's what they taught her to really do. So, you know, it's just like everything's a learning curves, you know? So that, that mention of a script kind of ties into another question. Hopefully you can answer it quickly. Um, from Jade, do you have interest in performing in musical theater or just teaching theater? And I kind of want to know if the, these scripts that you learned as a child kind of led you to this theatrical uh, so, interest. Yeah. So music has always been a huge part of my life. When I was non-receptive to most things, music was the one thing that connected with me. Um, I am a professional actress, so I do act. Um, I will hopefully like I've, I hopefully cause a big brother and everything and traveling a lot. It's been hard to like audition for things, but I do have that BFA in theater performance. I do love musical theater. I've performed in, in so many musicals at this point at this count. Um, but I love doing them so much. So hopefully I'll be able to audition for some more shows coming up. Um, once everything kind of like dies down a little bit more, um, and my traveling schedule kind of dies down a little bit more, but it, it like, but also I, I love the traveling, um, to answer Steven's question, favorite role, um, Judy and White Christmas was a fabulous role. Gloria and Damn Yankees was wonderful. And then I would say I was Chiffon and Little Shop of Horrors. That one probably is my favorite. That one was so much fun. That was actually my first singing role in college that I got in, in the conservatory program, which was amazing. Um, I did not think I was getting it because the, the literally the semester before we were going for Chicago and I was in the role for Velma. I was in the running for Velma until I opened my mouth and he go and my vocal director goes, you know, Brittany, you really had us, but then I know your vocal health's not there. 
So then all that year I worked on my vocal health. That was a really big issue during my conservatory program where I would lose my voice very frequently, but then senior year came and my voice was in a much better um, state. And so from that point on, I, I was able to get that role and, and secure another singing role that next semester with Margot and, and Legally Blonde. So always fun. Like I've played some really, I get the lovely ingenue supporting roles, which is like exactly where I love to live. I love to live in the supporting role ensemble world. It's my fave. Um, but also the lead was nice too. So we'll take it. Yeah. You can stand out with just a little less work. I got you. Yes. you, you see, that's <laughs> what I'm telling you. But she learns things very quickly too. So like scripts, maybe it was from learning the scripts early. Um, and that because she can just do it a couple of times and she's got it. Yep. Same things with dancing and musical instruments. So she's just very blessed with that, where it just comes naturally. To like her. I, like I have perfect pitch for anyone in the music world who knows what that is. I have perfect pitch. I was, I got tested for it freshman year, but I can read music like it's like this in terms of saxophone reading music for vocals. Like I, I read a, I read a script like it's a book. Like I can just, if I'm getting a piece of music, I can read that like it's a book. You're a very impressive person, Brittany. Oh, very you. impressive. Thank you. No. To uh, to close out today, uh, we have one last question from Mike, which says, "What advice do you have for a Big Brother hopeful with autism? If you had to choose any other reality show to compete on, and which would you choose, and why?" Okay. Um, in terms of, I'll go advice first, then reality show. Advice okay. for those of us who are in the neurodivergent community who want to compete in autism or want to compete on Big Brother, do it now. Apply right now. Jesse's still casting. He's been putting out all the Instagram stuff, so apply now. Um, but just do it. They, what I will tell you about Big Brother was they were so welcoming to me and they wanted me to succeed on the show. And they were going to find any and every way possible for that to happen. And they support us. And it's about time that we have more representation. I mean, I don't forget everywhere. any- Everywhere. Everywhere. I don't forget any single day that I was the first female to ever play Big Brother that was diagnosed with autism. I never forget that because I know what a responsibility that is. I'm not the first player, but I am the first female. And that is huge because less females are diagnosed than males. And so that- Just Tell him to celebrate himself. Yes. So I was going to get to that too. Oh, sorry. But like in your audition tape, make sure to- I am the one that did apply, right? I know. Your, your tape- <laughs> was amazing my, my tape was my tape was high quality my tape was like a whole masterpiece of a video but do, you don't got to do that um, can we find that on youtube perhaps no no, <laughs> no. it will never be released to the public because it was <laughs> it was it was a masterpiece but it was also very cringy watching myself back on that tape um but i mean She's it was great car, i was cars. yeah i was i was no that wasn't that that wasn't that one which one was that that one? was for the first interview oh continuing okay. um so but no just be yourself but also be real like i tell like being yourself is not enough in audition tape they want to see you as the story so in your audition tape paint the story around you and and what you can do um in terms of my reality show of choice that i would go on if big brother ever asked me to go back i would go um but i'd have to say survivor would be the one that I would survivor or the challenge would be the two that I would really want to do only because survivor I've been watching since I was five and the challenge, I think in terms of my martial arts background and how much I work out on a day-to-day -day basis, those would be the two shows that I think would be equipped for my skills at. So I think that I, I would go on either one. Or Amazing Race. Or Amazing Race. Well, Amazing well, Amazing Race, I have my partner. So like Amazing Race would be like, if myself and my partner were asked to go, we'd go. Um, but like my partner would be Aza for The Amazing Race. We've already decided. Um, we would totally do it together. And I honestly think we'd kick butt. Um, but if I had to pick somebody in my family to do The Amazing Race with, it'd be Anna, my sister, because she's almost fluent in Spanish. So I can use that to my advantage. Yes. Bilingual. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here today. Do either of you have like a couple last words of advice? Anything you want to close out with? Oh my gosh. Just, just thank you. Uh, I mean, just thank you so much. And, and please, um, like I said before too, um, we are running a fundraiser this month for the summit center. The link is in all of my social media links in my bio. We are running a huge fundraiser for the summit center. We're already over $2,000. 10,000 is our goal. I think we can hit it. I think we can. Um, but I, I'm hopeful, but I just, any donation helps. And there's a lot of prizes that you can win if you donate. So that link is in my bio. Um, but no, I just, I, I mean, this is autism acceptance month. This month is our month. Let's keep embracing it. Let's keep having the conversations that we need to have in order to, to decimate these incorrect stigmas in society. And, and let's just celebrate one another for who we are. I and spread positivity, kindness, and love, as she's about to say. 
I was just going to say that, of course, when you do anything with love, you can't go wrong. So for the moms and dads out there and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles, just love. Um, and love, I think love, love, the, love. Other, the other part of that is do something kind for yourself. Self-care is so important, especially when you're dealing with um, any child with a disability. I think that you always have to make sure that you do something kind for yourself and then pay it forward and do something kind for someone else. Amazing. Well, thank you both, Brittany and Kathy, for spending your afternoon with us. I just want to let everyone know that our final keynote event is Tuesday, April 26th with comedian and author Michael McCreary. He's been performing stand-up comedy since the age of 13, and uh, he wrote the book uh, Funny, You Don't Look Autistic. And uh, he will be here, like I said, Tuesday, April 26, 7 p.m. I put the link to register in our chat. So for more information about that and our other upcoming events, you can visit our website. It's theoceancountylibrary.org. I also put information in the chat for any uh, teachers or uh, people who need professional development certifications. You can uh, email question at theoceancountylibrary.org and we will set you up. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you to Brittany and Kathy again. Again, you have been such a pleasure. Um, we're so thankful that you were here with us today and have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank, Thank you, you so guys. Much. We love you all. You. We love you guys. Bye. Thank you all so much for coming. <laughs> love you guys. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.